Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. When I was in college, I met a friend who introduced me to Renaissance fairs. One time while we were there, I wanted to see a psychic. I had never been to one, but was always curious. The woman there was wonderful and told me things about myself she couldn't have known just by looking at me. She was about to wrap up when she looks at me and says, They tell me that you can see and hear. I knew exactly what she meant as I have heard full conversations, as if my family was looking for me, and whenever I went to the room where I heard the voices coming from, it was empty. I've also seen many shadow people. The psychic ended up telling me that they want you to have this, and she handed me her tarot cards. I was shocked but also a little excited to get more in touch with this side of myself. Although, she did warn me that by opening myself up, it could be dangerous, and to ensure I had protection. As a Christian, I do. When I get back home, my mom was not happy about the cards, as they could be an omen or ill will. But I cleansed the cards with quartz and moonlight, for about a month before I touched them. But that night, when I went to bed, while I was sleeping, I was awoken by something jumping on my bed, almost excitedly, and I felt it then sit at the edge of my bed. I had thought that it was just my dog, but then realized I didn't go to bed with my dog, and my door was closed, with no way she could have gotten in. I opened my eyes to see no one there. I just thought that maybe I was too tired and my brain made it all up. So I went back to bed. I then felt my hair move away from my face and felt something on my cheek and side of my head that felt almost static-like. At first, I was terrified as I felt the energy in the room shift but then I had a sense of peace and calm and was lulled back to sleep. This happened every night for the rest of my time in that house, but after this happened for two weeks, I was convinced it was a ghost sitting on my bed and watching me sleep, brushing the hair from my face. I ended up going back to the Renaissance Fair with the sole purpose of going back to that psychic. The woman I spoke with last time was not there, but I did get to meet with another, much older woman, 
who never really looked at me, but through me, past me. We were going through the tarot portion when she stops and announced that someone is here, a ghost. This is interesting because at this moment in time, I didn't know anyone in my life who had died. She described an old, small woman with a collared shirt, calf-length skirt, and loafers with her hair in a bun. She described my great-grandmother, whom I had never met but have seen photos of, and that was her. I started to cry over a woman I had never met. The psychic then proceeds to tell me that our souls have always been together, in every past life, but just missed each other this time. She goes on to say that she was my mother in the most recent past life, but due to her negligence, I ended up drowning in the tub. She said due to that, she feels guilty and now watches over me to protect me and sits on the edge of my bed every night and strokes my hair. I hadn't mentioned this to the psychic, but she knew. I was really crying yet again over a woman I had never met. Maybe my soul recognized hers and connected that way. That's the only way I can explain having such a huge emotional response. I left the session happy, knowing that my experience was real and I am being protected. I'm a new listener. The very first episode I listened to was episode 58, Rabbit Man, which is also why I'm writing this. This is actually my friend's story, and I'm not certain how much this could contribute to understanding recent Rabbit Man sightings, because she theorizes that the entity she saw had been a shape-shifting spirit. But I figured I'd share it anyways, because I felt that there were a few consistencies, namely the description of the rabbit man's face. To provide a little background, this took place in the late 80s in upstate New York, and a house my friend tells me was a hot spot for paranormal activity, and she has had many experiences growing up there. It was the eve of Easter. My friend Lynn was at an age when she still believed in Easter bunnies and Santa Claus, so, like most children, she would stay up late on these holiday nights, hoping to see one of these mythical beings. Lynn was tucked in bed, and her door was closed as per tradition, so that her parents could hide gifts in secret. But when her doorknob began to turn, she quickly shut her eyes, only slightly squinting. When the door opened just a crack, Lynn watched as a two-foot-tall, rabbit-looking creature slipped in. Something felt wrong. Even though Lynn believed in the Easter Bunny, she had somehow felt sure that the creature was not the Easter Bunny. It had the body of a rabbit, but its face was a grotesque attempt at imitating a rabbit. It was slightly warped and wrong. The rabbit 
as it was partway through the door, made an exaggerated gesture of slowly turning its head from side to side, like a cartoon character that's making sure the coast is clear. Then it seemed to kind of shrink as it crouched down. It awkwardly hopped across Lynn's room until it reached her closet. Once at the closet door, the rabbit grew as it stood up on its feet again so that it could reach the doorknob. It turned the knob and cracked the closet door open. Once again, it made the exaggerated gesture of glancing side to side before slipping into the closet. Lynn stayed motionless and awake in her bed until the sun rose. The moment that it was light out, she ran to her mother, petrified. She urged her mother to see what the Easter Bunny was doing in her closet. Her mother eventually conceded and removed everything in her daughter's closet. No rabbit was ever to be found. To preface this, I love spooky stuff and the paranormal, but where some people are sensitive to these things, I seem to be on the opposite side of the spectrum. I've been in several situations and lived in places where those around me have heard, felt, or seen unexplainable things, but I always seem to be blissfully unaware. C'est la vie. That being said, I have always been somewhat of a strange sleeper, and although this has slowed down significantly as I've gotten older, I have a reputation for being someone who talks, screams, and generally causes a ruckus in my sleep. I have a lot of instances of waking dreams, wherein I think I am completely awake and mobile, but see and hear things that can't be real. For example, being lured under my bed by a mud creature, or waking up to salivating tongues crawling on my ceiling. I also developed a habit of sleepwalking, where I would go stand silently over other people while they slept. Needless to say, I was not popular at sleepovers. Anyways, I always felt these things were less paranormal and more just the product of some wires crossed in my sleep function. I started to feel a bit differently, however, when I experienced sleep paralysis every single night for a period of about six months. I have never experienced this before, nor have I since. I vividly remember that first night. I was sleeping on my back, sometime in the early morning hours, when I suddenly bolted awake. I couldn't move, I couldn't speak, and felt like I couldn't even draw a sufficient breath. As horrifying as that felt, it paled in comparison to what I saw. Inches from my face was what I can only describe as a mask. Its features were human-like, but empty. No eyes, just black holes. Around the mask was this swirling, gauzy mist which I could not focus on. The face did not move or blink or speak. My gaze was just locked onto this horror show 
I have no idea how long this went on, but suddenly, like a vacuum had opened up in space, the figure shrank out of view, and the room suddenly seemed to brighten. I finally took a big breath and could move again. I had heard of sleep paralysis before and thought, great, another sleep quirk to add to my repertoire. Though I tried to explain it away, I couldn't fall back asleep that night. Typical story, right? From then on, my experiences began to differ from the accounts I've heard before. The next night, the same thing happened. My eyes shot open, my body paralyzed, and this figure was standing right above me, staring down into my face. I was understandably terrified, but as I started to panic, delicate pink flower blossoms began falling all around me, and the figure. A sense of calm washed over me, and even though I still could not move, I felt really peaceful, and like the figure was trying to extend an olive branch of sorts. Probably a few seconds later, it disappeared again, and for the next several months, this would be our nightly routine. I would awake to see the face and its swirling atmosphere above me, but surrounded by something beautiful, sometimes flowers, sometimes rain, other times just soft streaks of light. The figure would eventually fade, and I'd go back to sleep. In those moments, I felt so at peace, and kind of cared for, in a sense. But one day, the visits just stopped. I still do the odd scream and stumble in my sleep, but nothing like I did growing up. I never had sleep paralysis again though, and as strange as it sounds, given some of the absolutely horrible accounts on your show, I miss it sometimes. And if my friend ever wants to visit again, I'd be happy to catch up. I'll start from the beginning. I worked at a flea market for a few years, and in 2017 is where this all began. I live in a very small town, so our flea market is more like a cross between storage wars and a thrift store. Everyone sells out of storage units, usually things they found in yard sales or estate sales. I had been working with my uncle and brother when I came across this golden goblet-type cup with different symbols around the sides of it. For some reason, I couldn't stop thinking about it all day and asked so many questions about it. According to my uncle, he had originally obtained it as a pair, and one was bought by a woman who's rumored to be our town's local witch. She told him she only needed the one, but that they're usually used in rituals and to basically be very careful with whoever ended up with the other cup. I had always kind of been interested in these things anyways, and I had been collecting weird, spooky stuff for years. 
It really didn't help that Halloween was just a few months away either, as I thought that I could use it to just drink out of and mess around. So I bought it. Big mistake. The first night I had it, I washed it and then sat it in my collection, thinking of how excited I was to have it. I then went about my business until I fell asleep. That's when I had a nightmare. It was worse than any I had ever had before. This was what I dreamed. I'm in my body, and I can see and hear what's going on, but I'm not the one controlling myself. I'm making these demonic-sounding screams, and I'm fighting with, or beating up, my husband because he's trying to stop me from going outside and hurting other people. I keep telling myself to stop because I'm scared, but I can't. The nightmare continued for weeks until I got to a point where I was scared to even be in my bedroom because I felt a presence there. My husband said he felt it too, and he doesn't even believe in any of this. For him to even say that told me that something was really wrong. So we started sleeping in the living room instead, but the nightmare continued. However, the presence wasn't in there, so I thought it was probably okay. Wrong again. Days later, I'm asleep on my couch while my husband was at work. I feel someone grab my arm and wake up to see a dark shadow standing over me. I panic and begin what I like to call the help me prayer. I say, God, help me, help me. It worked, but I was still very scared. When I returned to the flea market that weekend, our local witch happened to be there. I had never met her, so how she knew this astounds me, but she asked about the cup. I told her everything about it. That's when she told me to dispose of the cup, put it in a container, and dump salt on it while saying a prayer, then throw it away because the cup had been used in some very intense rituals, and that's what the entity was attached to. Of course, me being a dumbass, I didn't actually do what she had told me. I thought that I could just put it out in my garage and be okay. I wanted to save it for Halloween and scare my friends, but I didn't want it inside the house. Off and on, all night, things were noisy, banging in our garage, the doorknob rattling like somebody was trying to come in, and this shuffling sound of things being moved around. The next day when I got up, there were boxes pulled down from shelves or opened and the stuff was spread out all over the garage. But did I throw that thing away like the witch told me to? Still, no. Instead, I called my friend to come over and check it out since she's kind of heard about it in real time. Immediately when she came over, she refused to even come inside because she felt like something evil was in there. When I relayed to her, what our local witch had said, she was upset at me for not listening and insisted that I do it so that we could cleanse the home and get rid of this for good. I grabbed a bag and I shoved the cup inside and I dumped nearly an entire container of salt on it. When I brought it out, I asked my friend to pray with me given that she grew up Catholic. So we prayed over the bag and we threw it in the outdoor trash can. My friend said that she wanted to come in and bless the house. Of course, I agreed. That night, I slept the best I had slept in a while. 
I've had a few minor experiences since then, though. Sometimes I'll hear footsteps, things being moved in another room. Small potatoes in comparison, if you ask me, but nothing that crazy. At least not since I got rid of the cup. In the mid-1970s, I was a student at the University of Missouri at Kansas City's Conservatory of Music. At that time, the conservatory was divided up into four buildings, three of them quite some distance from the main campus. The building on campus was the Epperson House, which had a reputation for being haunted, but this story didn't occur there. The main campus consisted of Grant Hall, which hosted the library, classrooms, and performance hall, a small outbuilding that hosted the percussion department, and an inexplicably odd Victorian mansion that had a variety of rooms for various purposes we referred to as the Annex. As I've learned since, the Annex was, in fact, the original building for the conservatory before it became part of the University of Missouri, and the small outbuilding was its carriage house. I have since learned that the house was purchased from S.B. Armour, yes, the one who became famous for potted meat. One Saturday afternoon, I was in the annex practicing the piano, and I contemplated committing an act of larceny. Specifically, I was thinking of stealing a virginal that happened to be sitting unused in one corner of the practice room I was using. A virginal is a late Renaissance keyboard instrument. It is essentially a small semi-portable harpsichord, which is a keyboard instrument where when you play a key, instead of a hammer striking a string like a piano, a quill plucks a string, giving a distinctive sound. The virginal was often used in small parlors and was a personal instrument for small groups. I was actually into early keyboard music written for these instruments, owning a clavichord I'd built myself, and had several books about virginals at home containing music written for these instruments. The virginal sitting in this room had been just sitting there for weeks. Nobody played it. It wasn't even set up to play, and a couple of keys needed fixing. It was a Saturday. Nobody was around. My car was just outside the door to the annex. It suddenly occurred to me, it would be simple to grab the instrument and load it into my car. It would probably be weeks before anyone even noticed it was gone. In hindsight, yes, I know this was wrong but I was coming up with all kinds of justifications as to why I should be enjoying this instrument instead of it just sitting there going to waste. Finally, I decided it was time for action. Nobody was around. My car was the only one in the parking lot. I picked up the virginal and headed for the studio door. That's when the voice spoke up, really loud. Right in my ear, I heard, drop it. I about had a heart attack. I was so startled when I heard it. Nobody was around. I quickly put the virginal back down 
and that's when I heard a sound coming from outside. I looked out the window and saw a faculty member I knew pulling into the empty spot right next to my car. Had I gone ahead with my nefarious plan, I would have been caught red-handed. This would have effectively ended my enrollment at the conservatory, and in fact, sent my entire career into a completely different trajectory. As I am now a composer and musician, this would have been a life-altering event had it not been for that voice. This isn't the first event in my life which, in retrospect, I discovered prevented me from making a bad choice or a drastic mistake, but it is certainly the most profound. Is someone or something protecting me from myself? Was there a ghost I'd pissed off lurking around that decided to speak up? Was it just my conscience intervening? I don't know. The next week, though, the virginal was gone. The house that I grew up in was haunted. I lived in the house from the late 1980s through the 2000s before my mom lost the house. On record, 14 people have died in that house, including one man in the garage when his car fell on top of him. Lights would turn themselves on and off, and I would hear footsteps at the same time every night. I heard them go from the bathroom all the way to the front door. Stuff would often go missing and show up later in different rooms where I would have never placed them. A woman that lived there as a child would randomly stop in and tell us about her experiences seeing people. Glowing eyes in dark rooms, stuff moving around, and just generally feeling scared all of the time. It was all the very standard haunting things. At least, that is what my family thought. Throughout the years, almost everyone in the house struggled with addiction, violence, and just surviving under the most negative, oppressive energies out there. We had a big family gathering and had my Puerto Rican family over. At some point, my aunt looked into the hallway that was basically in the middle of the house. There was an 8 to 10 inch circle of these giant black flies. We sprayed it with Raid, hit them down with fly swatters, and they would just go right back up and be in a circle on the ceiling. It was crazy because usually the activity wouldn't happen around strangers. Every time there was a party at our house, it turned into a drama fest. My mom got it the worst. She would get drunk and rage. She would be sober and rage. And if we left the house, she would be just fine. Sure, she had problems, the cops were at our house at least monthly for years for her beating the kids or chasing us down the street with knives, some of the time naked. It was sad, but it became the norm. Didn't everyone's friends see their mom naked all of the time? No, just me. Okay, I moved out when I was 15 and she went to prison. I'm not in contact with her now, so... I'm done talking about her for this story as much as I can help it. Now, 
after many years, it turns out, I had a spiritual attachment from the house that I lived in. I had a babysitter that would come to the house, an older woman. She would get me dressed, have breakfast, and play with me for a few years at least. She would come by a few times to say hi when I was growing up, which was cool, right? Well, everyone I dated, every single person lost their job within days of becoming official with me. They would end up depressed and unmotivated. Their lives just got bad. I thought that I just had bad taste in people. It got to the point in my 30s that I would joke that I had a succubus. Funny joke. Real funny joke. During the pandemic, I drank a lot. It got crazy. I was living by myself, so I was alone all the time. But I was starting to wake up on the floor in my kitchen. And shit would be moving around my house that I didn't touch. Drawers and cabinets would just be open whenever. And then, about a year into the pandemic, I saw her. She was in my fucking house. I rolled over in bed. I felt like somebody was in bed with me. And I saw what could only be described as an old woman's hand. But it was more decayed next to mine on the pillow. I said out loud, Get the fuck out of my room, now. You're not welcome here. They got up and just walked out of the bedroom. I saw her though. Same clothes, same hair, same face. It was the babysitter. She would drain my phone battery when I would start looking up how to evict her or exercise her. It was bad. I searched and searched, and I found a medium that was able to help me. So much homework on that one. I had to open every door, drawer, curtain, anything in my house and do all sorts of energy work. Then she was able to get this spirit attachment sent to wherever it needed to go. This spirit was fighting me so hard to stay. She clawed up these memories in my head and then started doing the I love you, don't leave me, we've had so much fun together, remember? All these repressed memories came into my head though all the stuff that she taught me as my babysitter. Turns out, she was stuck in that house because her baby died there. And it looked like me. So when I was one and a half to two years old and moved into that house, she thought that I was her baby. I asked my mom, we were talking at the time, and my other family members about my babysitter, and I got confused looks. You never had one. You think I could afford a babysitter to come to the house just for you? No, I left you at home alone all the time, or I took you to your grandparents' house, she said. But I can safely say that she's gone now, and I feel better. We've lived in our house for about 27 years. It's an unassuming two-story, built in the 60s. I'm not sure how long we lived in the house before these events took place, or if they started occurring right away. Looking back, the oddest part about it all was our lack of reaction. To this day, I can't explain it. Maybe it was a way of protecting ourselves. I'm not sure but our heads sure seem to be in the sand. 
the first noticeable thing was the constant noise coming from the attic. It was loud. It sounded like there was furniture being shoved around and banging against each other. The attic isn't usable for storage or anything else, as there is no floor, only insulation. Once when I was home alone, I actually stopped what I was doing and yelled, Shut the hell up! Sometimes I would run up the stairs and go to the bedrooms and tell the kids to quiet down, but it wasn't them. They were in their separate spaces and oftentimes asleep. Mind you, there was never any fear, only annoyance and confusion. At night, while in bed, it would often feel like a small animal, a cat or dog, was walking around near my feet at the end of the bed. I would move my legs around as if trying to kick it off. This was a near occurrence. Again, not much of a reaction, except the same annoyance. Other things happened, like my bedroom door slamming shut on its own. I also heard a lady saying, Hello, very clearly, when I got up one night to use the bathroom. I called out for my daughter, but she was asleep. This next occurrence should have made us a little more, I don't know, concerned, maybe? My husband never said much of anything about any of this. He's not a person whom you could easily convince a place was haunted, and maybe that's why we all just shrugged it off. One day, my husband was stretched out on our bed, which was on the first floor, watching TV. The rest of us, my daughter, son, and I, were in the living room. He casually walks out of the bedroom and states, Wow, that was weird. Of course, we asked what he meant. He said that as he was lying down watching TV, the side of the bed deeply sunk, as if someone sat down next to him. We should be freaked out, right? But we gave the usual, oh my god, that's so weird. And that was about it. Well, here's why we think our ghosts got so fed up with us and our attitude, they decided to leave. My daughter and I were home one evening. She was upstairs on the second level, and I was downstairs in my bedroom. I hear our front door open, then the screen door open, our front door shut, and then the screen door shut, as if someone were leaving the house, not entering. I came around the corner, wondering why my daughter was leaving without saying goodbye, and she came flying down the stairs to see why I was leaving without a goodbye. She said, where are you going? And I said, where are you going? Neither of us were leaving, and neither of us had opened the doors or closed them. And that was that. We never had anything else happen. Today we joke about how our frustrated ghosts literally walked out on us. I hope they found somewhere more suitable where their ghostly presence will not go to waste.
late 1990s, my family moved to England, a small town about an hour from Stonehenge. I was probably nine or ten years old at the time, and I and my sister stayed out at local parks until it got dark. There was thick forest everywhere and lots of weird-shaped hills. There were many stories the local children and teens told about the woods around the parks, including one where a husband murdered his wife and children and buried them in a creek, which later they discovered and dug up. There was still a grave-shaped hole there that the kids put a few boards over so that they could walk over it. But the story I'm going to tell you is about a werewolf. There were very tall, grass-type plants around the forest, probably six feet tall, enough that you couldn't see anyone if they walked through it. It was getting dark, and a group of kids, including me and my sister, were hanging out in the trees. We heard some loud rustling and twigs snapping from afar, and then it was silent. Suddenly, a couple of kids run past us, telling us to get out of there, so we ran through the tall grass and looked back. We could see the shape of something running towards the group over the tall grass. It was dark, but it didn't look human at all. It was too dark to make out any features except for thick fur and pointed ears. A dog, or wolf even, on its hind legs would not be tall enough to see over the grass, plus this thing was bipedal. We ran all the way home and told the adults. Weirdly enough, they immediately left to go to the park. Upon returning, they told us they didn't find anything. We were told not to go into the tall grass and trees because there could be people who could possibly take children and we would never be seen again. So, for a few weeks after that, we stuck to the main parks, near roads and well-populated areas. I can't say there was any actual thing. We were young, and there were a lot of older teens at that time who liked to scare younger kids. So, could it have just been our imaginations? I don't know. I distinctly remember the sounds and how quickly the shape moved through the grass. It was too dark to actually see very well out there. Just a fun little story from my childhood. One that 20 years later... I still haven't forgotten. Episode 69. It's about time. It is about time, right? <laughs> How do we celebrate? Well, don't answer that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we're too far away from each other to truly celebrate together. You're so. right. You're right. What a shame. <laughs> but at least we have some good stories. Oh, yeah, we definitely had some good ones. Creepy, ghostly babysitters was what really got me. Um, I'll be honest, while that in and of itself is pretty creepy, what's with the whole hiring a stranger to babysit my kid thing that you always see in movies or TV shows? Like, do people really call someone from a phone book or from a flyer that they see at the Y and just trust them with their precious offspring? I mean, while I don't have kids... And I don't know the stress of having to find somebody to babysit last minute. I still can't imagine ever doing this. A family member or a close family friend? Yeah. Never a stranger, though. Am I just being paranoid because of Let's Not Me? Yeah. I 
No, you're not. Okay. You're not. I could never do it. I could absolutely never do that. And I know it's not that easy. It's easier said than done. Yeah. Circumstances come up. Life happens. Hats off to anybody who has to go through that stress of putting your faith in a total stranger. That's rough. Yeah, I could never do that. I'd, I wouldn't even let a stranger babysit my dogs. No, yeah, yeah. I take my pets with me when I travel back to California. Yeah, we try to take the pets anytime we travel, anytime that we can. If there's a place that we can't, we only trust them with a really close friend. In fact, the person that we always have watch the dogs is somebody who works at the animal shelter and always has dogs in and out of their house. So it's like it's like leaving your kids with your grandma, basically. Exactly. That's safe. I won't make any puns about the virginal itself, but... <laughs> The whole thing about that guy trying to steal this virginal, which I had no idea was just some old portable keyboard of sorts. But what I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. have you ever stolen anything besides my heart? Listen, I'll be honest, I didn't have the most moral compass growing up uh, because I was raised so sheltered and didn't do anything bad ever in my life. I kind of acted out quite a bit in my late teens. Um, so there are a lot of things I can't necessarily talk about, but I will be honest. Yes, I've stolen some things. Oh, shame on you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel very bad about them now as an adult. I, I honestly, I think about it pretty often. We, You know how you're laying in bed trying to fall asleep, but you're thinking about all the embarrassing things that happened in life. And you're like, God, why did I do that? Always. That's every night. Always a night filled with regret. Yeah, and you're feeling like the secondhand embarrassment, mm -hmm. like you're feeling it all over again. I do that about bad things that I did growing up, and one is stealing. I definitely stole some stuff. Yeah, I usually relive awkward social interactions and cringe wondering if this person hates me who I'll never see again. To be fair, I never stole from somebody. Same. It was always from businesses and not yeah. mom pop businesses <laughs> there you go i think walmart's fair game exactly okay there we go not really if only if only it were but it has that trickle down effect on the employees and blah 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 blah. i know i know i know but yeah i can, i'm not i'm not a spotless lamb i'm not proud to admit it but when i was 12 i tried to steal some bicycle pegs from toys r us <laughs> everybody wanted bicycle pegs when we were kids I know, I know. If I had gotten away with it, I'd hate to think that they would have filed for bankruptcy even a day sooner. I remember putting bicycle pegs on my little green huffy and I thought it was so badass. And when I did it, I in my head, I thought of all the amazing tricks I could do, all these BMX tricks that I saw people do in ESPN and stuff. And then obviously when you get them, you can't do shit and you just ride your friends around on them. And that's I know, the whole I purpose know. of pegs. <laughs> I got them so I could ride my friends around, but they all had their own bikes, so it was pointless anyway. So how did you actually get caught? Well, I could feel the heat on my tail, so I took them out of my pocket before speed walking to the door. <laughs> and then the manager did one of those abrasive alpha male whistles through his teeth. You know what I'm talking about. Something yep. that like a cop or a football coach would do. Yeah, that I can't actually do. <laughs> same, same. He ended up just calling my dad instead of the police, which in hindsight was appreciated it was like in Stand By Me when the junkyard owner tells those kids, all your fathers are going to get a call from me. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love Stand By Me. So many good one-liners. Mm -hmm. So it was really refreshing and nice that I was able to read a couple of cryptid stories this week. I've been talking about it, how we never get alien or cryptid stories. It's always hauntings and things like that. Bedtime demons. Yeah, dream stories. I got a rabbit man and a werewolf. Year of the rabbit, hey. I know, it made me wonder. Like in our world, if these mystical rabbit men are hunted by werewolves, 
maybe that's why they're hiding out in all these little kids' bedrooms and closets. Probably I would not be surprised. No, I was always scared in my bedroom of closets and open doors as a kid. I don't like the idea of someone or something peering around a door frame at me. Mm-hmm. I would always picture like a hand slowly reaching around the corner. And I, it wasn't until my other podcast that I learned it's a real phobia. It's called scopophobia. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of people have it. I had a story on Let's Not Meet, my other podcast about a kid. Um, He was always scared of open doors and he had scopophobia. And one night he woke up to an eye peering at him, like peering out at him from around the closet door. And apparently a guy had been hiding out in this secret crawl space that was built into the kid's closet that he didn't even know about. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah, definitely. It's probably a disgruntled ghostly babysitter, but still creepy. Probably, probably. Did you ever have like a babysitter when you were a kid or did your parents just leave you at home? Yeah, I did for a brief period of time, but she ended up getting the hots for me. She was like three years older than me. And my parents had to pull the plug on that one because parents know they could just sense something was off, but nothing really came of it or anything like that. It was all but three weekends. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that was that. See, that's that's weird. Also, another weird thing. Kids babysitting kids. Yeah. Like you're just a couple years older than the kid. I'm the boss of you. Yeah, exactly. What makes you think <laughs> that they're going to be any more responsible? <laughs> I guess that's better than nothing. If you have your five-year-old at home and you need the 12-year-old to watch them, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's a little different. But hiring somebody that's a child to watch your children, yeah. like somebody else's child, that's weird. I don't know. Babysitting's just weird. You know what else is weird? The goodwill. I was thinking about the goodwill because... We were talking about where I mentioned the story about Toys R Us thievery. Mm -hmm. Remember that little shopping center we had? We had Game Crazy, Goodwill, and Toys R Us. We had a great corner in the town that we grew up in. You're right. It was a Toys R Us, Game Crazy, Hollywood Video, and the Goodwill. Mm -hmm. And also the grocery store, like a Rayleigh's there where we could just like go get food too and drinks and steal beer. (laughs) (laughs) And spend an entire afternoon there. I I miss Goodwill before it started overcharging for everything. (sighs) I know. I'm not about to spend $8 for a mustard-stained t-shirt with some iron-on graphic (laughs) of a funeral brochure. Just not going to do it. Uh, In Sacramento, not too far from where I live now, there is the thrift town that was in the movie Lady Bird, Mm. like the old style thrift town. Yeah, I remember that. might have taken you there. Yeah, we went there. We went there. Good movie too. A different company bought it. It's not owned by the thrift town company. And it's gone to shit, which is really sad because that was really like a landmark place here. And the last time we went there, we were kind of just like rifling through all the clothes i was looking through the women's clothes with my wife and we got to like the underwear section which is like why do they have that they've got underwear like hanging up on hangers with clips that they're selling and it's like why are you selling used underwear not only that they had shit stained clothes dude Uh, like literally shit on them i don't understand it yeah like right then and there we're like well i'm not gonna buy anything from this place if they're willing to put this shit out there yeah. Just down, dude, thrift stores are going down the drain. It sucks. Yeah, just buy the NSYNC Christmas album. It might skip when you played in the car, but good enough. DC Talks, Jesus Freak, man. Mm-hmm. There's a million of them. <laughs> Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard Renaissance Fair Psychic by Sarah, My Friend's Rabbit Man Experience by Ophelia, A Story from a Listener Named Bereal, I Bought a Possessed Cup by Shelby, Haunted Virginia by Ardman, Over 35 years with my succubus babysitter by Tiffy Rocks, 
our ghosts got bored by Liz, and finally, Dogman story by Katrina. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. Don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks and the Old Time Radio Cast, all over at cryptidcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.